Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition to the sermon or the text that Michael has just read, I'm going to read a few verses of Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 15. Through Jesus, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your mercy and goodness to us through Your Son, Jesus. We thank You that He has made a way for us into Your presence. And that by your Spirit you catch us up into heavenly places where we joined with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven to sing praise to you. We pray that you would teach us to offer a proper, a fitting sacrifice of praise as we consider your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The writer to the Hebrews exhorts us to offer a continuous sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of lips that gives thanks to His name. We hear that language of a sacrifice of praise. We hear Paul talking about offering ourselves as living sacrifices, and we instinctively think that the New Testament uses the word sacrifice metaphorically. Real sacrifice is what Israel did. Real sacrifice means slaughtering animals, splashing blood around on altars. It means putting flesh into a fire and turning the flesh into smoke so that it arises as a soothing aroma. We don't do that anymore. Somewhere in some hidden place, animals are still being slaughtered. That's how we get meat in grocery stores, in case you didn't know. Somewhere, butchering is being done, but we don't do it here at church. There's no butchering being done in the narthex. We don't have any blood splashed around on any of the furniture of the church. We eat the body of Christ and drink His blood. But that's not actual flesh and blood. That's not an actual sacrifice in the way that we think of it. Metaphorical sacrifice is praise and thanks, sharing and communion at the Lord's table. What Israel did was real sacrifice. I think that gets things exactly backwards. That flips the biblical picture around. In the Bible, it's not the Old Testament rites and sacrifices that are real. It's what we do that's real. What they did was metaphor. What they did was a shadow. What they did was a symbol, a shadowy, faint symbol of the real sacrifice that happens in the New Covenant. Think about Jesus' sacrifice. We know that's the case with Jesus' sacrifice. The blood of bulls and goats doesn't take away sin. Jesus didn't offer himself repeatedly the way that the Old Covenant uh, priests had to offer the animals repeatedly. We know that the goats of the Day of Atonement never took away sin. They never actually atoned. How do we know that? Hebrews tells us we know that because they had to keep doing it. If the sacrifice actually took away sin, if the Day of Atonement actually atoned, you just have one day of atonement and be over, and we have, wouldn't have to keep doing it every year. The very fact that it has to be repeated is a reminder, a memorial of sin year after year, Hebrews says. But Jesus does real sacrifice. He fulfills in reality what all of those Old Testament sacrifices did in pictures, in symbols, in shadows. Jesus offers himself 
once for all, His own blood. He doesn't enter on His Day of Atonement, enter into an earthly sanctuary, which is just a copy of the true sanctuary. By His death and by His ascension, He enters into the true heavenly sanctuary. We know this is the case with Jesus, that Old Covenant sacrifices are pictures, and Jesus is the reality. But we should think the same way about our sacrifices, the sacrifices we offer Sacrifices of praise, as Hebrew says, or the sacrifices of doing good and sharing, that's the reality to which the Old Covenant sacrifices merely pointed, merely gestured. Real sacrifice is human sacrifice. Real sacrifice is offering ourselves as sacrifices, not offering a substitute animal. And once we get that straight, then we can see what the Old Testament has to teach us about what we do when we offer a sacrifice of praise. We can look at the shadows, and we can look at the symbols, and that can fill out our understanding of what it means for us to offer a true sacrifice in the New Covenant. What do you think of when you think of sacrifice? Again, blood, slaughter, dismemberment, animal flesh, burning, smoke, fire. But that's not the, it wasn't the death of the animal that was the focal point or the only point of sacrifice. It wasn't just the killing of the animal that was the sacrifice. You could go into the tabernacle or the temple and kill an animal and leave the animal carcass there in the courtyard of the temple, and you would not have yet performed a sacrifice. There would be an animal dead. You would have carried out the death rite, but that's only the beginning of sacrifice. After the animal is killed, the priest has to splash blood on the altar. And the priest has to dismember the animal. And the priest has to take those animal parts and place it on the altar. And the animal parts have to be transformed by fire into smoke that can ascend to God as a sweet-smelling, uh, sweet, uh, sweet-smelling savor, a soothing aroma in his nostrils. That whole sequence is sacrifice. Not just the death, but the death and the dismemberment and the transformation of the animal from flesh into smoke. That whole thing is a sacrificial rite. That's what Jesus does. Jesus' sacrifice is not finished on the cross, in spite of what you continuously sing in uh, uh, theologically questionable hymns. Jesus' sacrifice is not finished on the cross. He has to rise from the dead. He has to ascend into the heavenly holy place. He has to go up into the Lord's presence like the smoke of a sacrifice. He has to be transformed and ascend in order to complete the sacrifice. The cross is just the beginning of the whole sacrificial movement of Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, and the outpouring of the Spirit. It's not just the substitutionary death, but the whole movement of sacrifice that we fulfill in our worship. Well, what does that movement involve? It it involves an ascent. Sacrifice is a ritual of ascent. The animal is on earth, he's made of flesh, but you turn him to smoke, and then he's in a form that he can ascend into the presence of God and he can appease God's wrath. He can go up as a sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. He has to be transformed and he has to ascend. Sacrifice is a rite of ascent. Sacrifice is a rite of transformation. Sacrifice is a rite of division and reunion. First you divide the animal. You separate its blood from its body. Animals different than it was when the blood was inside the body. You can't go on living when the blood's outside the body. That's not the only division, though. You have to take the animal part, uh, cut it into its pieces, into its different, into its different limbs. 
And then those limbs are placed on the altar, and the animal is reunited on the altar into a different form, into a transformed animal, a smoke and fire animal that can then ascend. Sacrifice is a rite of ascent, it's a rite of transformation, it's a rite of division and reunion. That whole, all of those things are going on when we, when Israelites sacrificed. We can probably get, kind of summarize all this by thinking about how sacrifice relates to the Garden of Eden. You remember when Israel, when Israel, when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, the Lord put cherubim at the gate of the garden with flaming swords to prevent them from coming back in. Eventually, Israel and then us, we would be allowed to come back in. But in order to come back into Eden, what do you have to, you have to pass by the cherubim. You're not going to sneak past them because they're full of eyes. They're going to catch you like Argos in the ancient Greek myths. He can look in every direction at once. So can the cherubim. You're not going to sneak past the cherubim. If you want to get back into Eden, there's only one, one way to do it. You have to submit to the sword and the fire. You have to be cut into pieces and burned. The only way back into Eden is sacrifice. That's what all the Old Testament sacrifices were about. They pictured Israel's restoration to the garden of God. The tabernacle and then the temple were architectural gardens. The priests were new Adams who assisted the worshipers to re-enter the Eden. They didn't re-enter, in, re-enter Eden on their own, in their own person. They re-entered Eden through an animal sacrifice, passed by the cherubim, the sword and fire of the cherubim, and then they could ascend, transformed. They would be divided and then reunited so they could enter the presence of God. Sacrifice is a rite of ascent, a rite of transformation, a rite of division and reunion. Sacrifice is the pathway back into the presence of God in His garden. In the Old Covenant, of course, Israel did that through sacrificing animals. But there's a, an interesting shift that goes on during the monarchy period that our, the first text that Michael read points to. Already in the Old Testament, you see a shift from primarily or exclusively animal sacrifice to a combination of animal sacrifice plus a sacrifice of praise. When David begins planning for the temple... He plans not only to have priests who are going to continue the animal sacrifices, but he organizes the Levites as an orchestra and as a choir so that when Israel offers their animal sacrifices, those animal sacrifices will be accompanied by music. So you have an animal sacrifice and a sacrifice of praise going on simultaneously when Hezekiah rededicates the temple in Second Chronicles. You see this happening. He has thousands of animals that are being offered as ascension offerings. And when they begin, when the the smoke begins to rise, song begins to rise at the same time. When they offer the parts of the peace offerings that are going to be a part of the feast of the rededication of the temple, those animal parts begin to burn and they begin to rise to the Lord. And at the same time, you have a sacrifice of praise, a sonic offering along with the offering that uh, the Lord can smell, along with the visible offering of animals in smoke. The sacrifice of praise and the sacrifice of animals come together in the same moment, at the same time. And you have a movement here from the exclusively animal sacrifice of the Mosaic era to a human, uh, to an animal plus human sacrifice of the Davidic era. But it's not just a matter of adding sacrifices of praise. 
If you read Chronicles carefully, you realize that much of the priestly and sacrificial terminology from Leviticus, from Numbers, from Exodus, is being transferred to praise, transferred to music. In the Mosaic year, the priests uh, carried around the furnishings of the, tab- of the tabernacle. They had to move it from place to place. They bore it on their shoulders. When you get to Chronicles, they don't have to move things around anymore. They have a set temple. They're still bearing things, but what they bear is the name of the Lord on their praises. The same term is used. Now they're not bearing physical things. Now they're bearing up God. They're raising His name in song. It used to be you had Levitical work that involved carrying stuff around. Now it involves singing. The same thing, uh, the same thing is true of the word work. It's a particular word for the priestly work. Mostly the priestly work of dismantling and re-erecting the tabernacle. But now the priestly, the Levitical work doesn't involve dismantling the tabernacle. It involves the work of song and praise. Song, as uh, we read in uh, the, the reading from First Chronicles, song is offered continuously at the ark shrine that David erects in Jerusalem. Continuously. Levites are there all the time, at least we could say in the morning and evening, at the time of the morning and evening sacrifice, they're there to offer morning and evening song. But it's said to be offered continuously. That too is a sacrificial term. It's a term that's used in Exodus and Leviticus to describe the, the burning of the lamps on the lampstand. It describes the fire on the altar in the, in the courtyard. Those fires are supposed to be burning continuously, but when we get to the Davidic era, we still have those fires burning continuously on the altars of the menorah. But now we have, in addition to that, a continuous offering of a sacrifice of praise. There are other terms from the, from the uh, Mosaic sacrificial system that uh, get transferred to song, And the point is that what we have going on in the Davidic era is a combination of a sacrifice of animals and a sacrifice of praise. What happens when Nebuchadnezzar destroys the temple? Does Israel just stop sacrificing? Well, they stop sacrificing animals for 70 years until they can rebuild the temple. But for all those 70 years, they are still sacrificing. They're sacrificing in the way that David taught them to. By singing, by playing instruments, by music, by offering a sacrifice of praise. And when Jesus comes and brings in the new covenant, then the shadows go away completely and the last temple is gone. But that doesn't mean we no longer sacrifice. It just means we sacrifice in this new form. We don't offer animals, we offer ourselves. We don't offer animal blood, we offer our own life's breath, praising God. Now what does this mean for our worship? It means that everything that Levitical sacrifice, that Old Testament sacrifice accomplished, is being accomplished, really, really, truly accomplished when we sing. Sacrifice is a rite of ascent. And when we sing, we truly rise. Not speaking metaphorically, I'm not painting word pictures. We truly rise and join with angels and archangels. We say this every week. We say we do it. Do we really believe it? We join with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, and we begin to sing the song of heaven. Heaven and earth are are joined as we ascend in song. Sacrifice is a rite of transformation. It transforms animal into smoke and fire, animals into something more like spirits. 
The Spirit inspires song. We know that from Ephesians and Colossians. Be filled with the Spirit. And then in the next breath, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart uh, with all your heart with thanks to the Lord. The Spirit inspires us to sing, and the Spirit transforms us into spiritual people as we sing. Sacrifice is a rite of transformation. Our singing is also part of our transformation into spiritual people. A people who walks by the Spirit, a people who's filled with the Spirit. Sacrifice is a rite of division and reunion. And in our song, all the things that are divided begin to be reunited. Heaven and earth are divided. There's a great chasm between them. But in our singing, heaven and earth are, re- are united as we join with angels and archangels in the company of heaven in song. As we sing, we're united with one another. We are one body because we are all partake of one bread, Paul says. We could also say, we are one body because we all sing the same song. That's real. That's physically real. Have you ever ever, uh, stood beside or sat beside somebody who's a really good singer and sang alongside them? It makes your your singing sound a lot better. Because they're... Their vibrations are vibrating through your body. You really are becoming one thing, one congregation, one body as we sing together. We're knit together as the body of Christ. The divisions that exist between us are healed and uh, we're reunited as Christ's body in song. I think this, these Old Testament uh, rites of sacrifice also point to some, uh, some rules about how or some uh, thoughts about how we go about singing. What place should song have? What place should music have in our worship? I think we'd answer that question by answering a previous one. How, what place did sacrifice have in Old Testament worship? Well, of course. Sacrifice was, was their worship. <laughs> it was pervasive in their worship. And our sacrifice of praise should be as pervasive in our worship as animal sacrifice was in Israel's. Our worship should be as musical as Israel's worship was sacrificial. As Jim Jordan likes to say, if you can sing it, why say it? Everything in our worship should be offered as a sacrifice of praise and song. This points to some questions about, or, or raises questions about the standards of our singing. What would, it, what would the Lord thought if Israel had brought blemished animals, wounded animals, as sacrifice. Well, we know what he would have thought, because he tells us in Malachi. He's not very happy. He says, take those to your governor. Your governor will accept blemished animals, wounded animals as on his table. Not me, the Lord says. I want animals that are perfect. The best animals you have, that's what I want on my table. Nothing but the best. And do we offer our best to God in song? Do we offer the best music we can, or do we offer blemished, wounded, broken song? Do, the, do we sing them well? Do we train ourselves to sing well so that we're offering the best sacrifice of praise that we can? Well, you might think, well, we got some professionals or semi-professionals. We can delegate the musical excellence to them. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> You're all priests. Every last one of you who's baptized as a priest. That means 
you're a specialist in sacrifice. In the New Covenant, that means you are called to sing. Every last one of you is called to offer a sacrifice of praise. You can't delegate it to the professionals or the trained musicians. As we come every Sunday, we're here in order to offer a sacrifice of praise. It's your job to do it. It's one of the main jobs that you have because you're a priest. And when we do that, we ascend to the heavenly places. We're transformed by the Spirit. We're knit together as members of the body of Christ. If we want that to happen, then we have to carry out our priestly duty of offering a sacrifice of praise. We're called to sing, so let's sing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the chief singer of his church. We pray that we would join our voices in a great sacrifice of praise, that we would offer you our best, that you would make us good singers, good priests, who offer the best sacrifices that we can. And we pray that our offerings would uh, ascend to you. They would transform us. They would unite us as one body. And by uniting us as one body, they would anticipate, that we would anticipate in our singing, the coming day, the new Jerusalem, when all creation will join in one great song of praise, one great sacrifice of song to our Father through Jesus Christ in the Spirit. We pray this for Jesus' sake and in His name. Amen.